Um, that's that's my favorite moment in a time travel narrative is when the time traveler realizes like oh it's my fucking fault and and there's nothing i can like for all of cyclical eternity i will continue to make this exact same mistake did you think nolan totally understands it like did he have a perfect like could he map out like the like because it it, there's a there's a part of me that wants to i want like like my reality will be crushed if I find out that he was kind of just like, look, we just gotta go with this. Is as yeah, much yeah. as I got, we're going with it. Like that would make me really disappointed. Because there, his movies are getting progressively more complicated. Correct, right? Like on a scale, like when you yeah. put Inception, Interstellar, Tenant, like, like they they start yeah, yeah, getting yeah. more right. Like Interstellar yeah. is more complicated. Makes no fucking sense to me. I hate. I don't like that movie at all. I know you. I. Love it. I don't I, like this, it. At all. It's like one of my top two sci-fi movies. Uh, Inception <laughs> is my favorite of the three by far. By far. I get it. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the simplest one. the hegelian friendship simulator the only podcast on the internet where we try and uncover the truth of the universe one wikipedia article at a time i am of course as always joined by my co-host the one the only mr alex virgil Ah, thanks man and uh i of course am joined by my co-host the uh, b- b- uh, wonderful John Nicholas. <laughs> very, uh, very confident introduction there. Thanks, Virgil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, the Hegelian Friendship Simulator is produced by our lovely friend in the NSA, yes. Miss Emmy Sack, who Woo! is still on her clandestine mission to yeah. assassinate the new president of Peru. Uh, we hope her nothing but failure and disappointment. Yep. Honestly. Honestly. Um, it's funny because it's like a Carmen Sandiego situation. <laughs> it is. It Except is. The, the moment we get it right where she is, I feel like it's just there's just going to be a little like through the window. And then, <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a, a drone that just flies right outside of my kitchen window all the time. It's like... It doesn't even appear to have any weapons on it, but it's just it's just it's there, just there always, just so that I know. It's like and it's so weird. It says it me. says NSA on the side of it. It does. This is clearly a government drone. <laughs> I wish I wish America was so capitalistic that they had branding for their like covert technology. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just like. Uh... Just NSA drones brought to you by Hewlett Packard. Yeah. Like Humvees, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like the branding, the reason people get Humvees is its connection to, like, the military tech tech of it. That's a good point. You know? No one gets a Humvee just for its, like, SUV-ness. No, God. Because no. there are better SUVs. 
that guzzle way less gap. Ugh, Jesus. Wait. I used to want to. I used to want a Hummer. Really? I would say like middle school. I was like a hard like. Oh yeah, my dream car, H two. That's so fucking funny. That's such a. Oh god, it's such a chud car. Do people yeah, still buy that car? Like, I don't think I don't I see think them anymore. So. I every once in a while you see one where you're like, this looks like a recent model. I was here. This like this is one of those like tell me you were raised in the Bush era without oh telling God, me you were raised yeah. in the Bush era. It's spending middle school listening to G Unit, um, wanting a Hummer two, and then when the three came out, which was like more gas efficient and like smaller, I was like, ugh, gross. That's yeah, it's a, a lame car for you know posers. <laughs> Just sitting in the back of a 2000 Ford Explorer in my family's car listening to a CD Walkman being like, yeah, losers, these H3s. It it really was just like driving around a military vehicle, especially the original yeah. one. Just like straight up looked like you were in Operation Desert Storm. Yeah, it's that, that's the thing about the H2 is it's 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 a ridiculous car. <laughs> For Oh my God, yeah. Just, it's like, dude, where are you... You planning to uh, overthrow the governor of California? Like, why do you need that much firepower? Uh, Virg, what's up? We got any? We got any unfinished business? You got any unfinished um, business for me? My only unfinished business offering is um, I saw a meme by History and Memes. Great. So it's all it's all history memes, but you know you never know the validity of a single claim. So I'd like to preface that it was definitely a meme, but um, it came out on more recent. Oh no, I can't find it. It was all about um, it was all about uh, Alice Roosevelt. Oh, funny! It's just a picture of Alice Roosevelt. Yep. And then I'll read it. It says Alice Roosevelt with her dog Leo. She smoked cigarettes in public, chewed gum, placed bets with bookies rode in cars with men, stayed out late partying, and kept a pet snake named Emily Spinach, <laughs> which she often wore, wrapped around one arm, and took to parties. Her father, President Theodore Roosevelt, once said of her, I can either run the country or I can attend to Alice, but I cannot possibly do both. Oh my God. <laughs> 1902. The Roosevelt family fucking dude just like like they had good ideas they're there i honestly think that the roosevelt family is is like top tier of old rich old american families yeah. Yeah. but like even that they're fucking insufferable right like yeah like american aristocracy was like little league compared to like the high high society of europe and so mm-hmm. much crazier. Right, right, also right. Also still, like, so up their own assholes. Like, just like, okay, yeah, oh, it was hard for you, Teddy, to raise your daughter who has opinions. <laughs> Fuck you. It is funny. I do love that American old money shit. Like, Great Gatsby <laughs> old money shit is mm-hmm. still, like, from a European perspective, just very, like, kitsch. Absolute, yeah, just like, wow. They Gaudy. Have... <laughs> yeah. American old money is the cubic zirconia of wealth. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love it. it. 
Um, there is I, a part of oh, me yeah. that really hopes that there's like a thread of family lineage where the Roosevelt's all came from Timothy Dexter. That's what I'm hoping. From Timothy, that Timothy there, Dexter yeah. is absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Oh, Dexter, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, no, it. it but honestly, it all they all are Timothy Dexters, like every single one of them, like in oh, their totally. own way. I think the film Forrest Gump is essentially about uh, how to make it in America, you have to be a fucking Timothy Dexter. The only difference is that, um, like, America is still making those like new money people like mm-hmm. obviously right um whereas yeah. in europe like that like i saw this great so the the heir to the habsburg th- throne mm-hmm. is, is still alive he's and he's on twitter um does he look like this <laughs> yeah he's he's got a very <laughs> he's got a very like yeah igor uh uh <laughs> oh, look no. to him um but he came out with a children's book that was like about a two-headed eagle <laughs> who who is really special somehow and it's just He's very special because his mom and dad were siblings and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just so funny because I saw somebody do like how how it how it was and it was a picture of like Austria-Hungary, right? The empire and then how it's going and it's this guy holding up a children's book. It's just like that's right. There good. is some good in this world. Yeah. That's why we like Diana. Mhm. Is she is the catalyst towards that. Absolutely. That's um, so fucking funny. I've got some old Do you have any old too. business? I do. Yeah, yeah, I found something uh in the news that is very relevant. Um, to our discussion about Belarus. Do you remember that oh, discussion? Oh, good. Thank yeah. goodness. Um, That's some information we need. So, uh, at the Olympics, um, there was a sprinter. Her name is uh, Kristina uh, Simanuskaya. Kristina Siman- cool. Simanuskaya. Um, she was a silver medalist um at the u23 european championship in the 100 meters um and a gold medalist at the university european university games in the 200 meters good sprinter from belarus well uh she qualified to represent belarus at the 2020 olympics on mm-hmm. 30th of july 2021 during the games she accused officials from the belarus olympic committee of forcing her to compete in the 4x400-meter relay without her consent. On August 1st, 2021, she was taken to Tokyo's Haneda Airport against her will, where she refused to board a flight back to Belarus. She was given police protection and granted a humanitarian visa by Poland, to which she traveled on August 4th, 2021. So this woman went to the Olympics representing Belarus and while there defected. Yo, that's not the first time that's happened. No, it happens actually. I feel like pretty frequently when North yeah. Korea sends a a, a, um, a confederation or whatever. Yeah, I th- uh, I think um, and it happens in the U.S. too, right? Like like anytime there's like oh Cuba, cu- yeah, yeah, Cuban Cuban ath- athletes, they that happens they a lot, yeah, kind of stuff, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, How, she... How's it going for her? She's in Poland. Um, so, hey. so she claimed asylum. Uh, there's a picture of her with the deputy prime minister of Poland. I think that it sounds like Poland and Belarus probably don't have very good relations because they... Yeah, if like they're Poland taking kind of used doing it as photo like a, ops, yeah, yeah, a little political stunt. Um, I think it's crazy. She recorded an Instagram video. That's where it got out. Like when the the four by four hundred thing, she recorded. So it's like I don't know. I think it's such an interesting time in the world when the you know people trying to seek asylum have access to stuff like like Instagram, and it's like yeah. it, it just makes. I don't know. It makes the idea of despot. The internet really does make despotism like that much more complicated and difficult, right? Than it ever mm-hmm. used to be. Because um, yeah. we're all we're all interconnected, folks. Even yep. Christina Simanuskaya. Um, I wish her the best. I wish her the best. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I wish her. To continue posting with the Polish, just like a lot of like, I'm in public with the Polish officials. <laughs> Don't fucking kill me. I I'm scared. I every, anytime someone gets exiled and it's like that close to their home country, I get scared. Right. I've seen Munich. I've well, seen a we, lot of movies. That like, was, <laughs> wasn't that what we talked about um, on the show? Was that guy who was protesting who got like belarus convinced the plane had to yeah land in their airspace and he got i i mean i don't i'm like almost afraid to look up what happened to that guy i think yeah not nothing good um yeah see for every like for every time i'm happy that the internet is like helping people stay alive <laughs> in that in the way we just mentioned i think of like Kashagi where it's like didn't Ugh. help they right. still just kind of like they got him. away with it you know right uh, i can't believe they got away with that that's so fucking ridiculous insane. ridiculous so frustrating virch do you know what time it is i don't know what time it is please tell me all right well we're bringing back a classic um sub topic theme it is time for your information hey. Um, and today in common form for fur your information the topic has no fur (laughs) no mammalians on this podcast i almost think we've never talked anything fur related oh camels camels i guess oh yeah i guess camels but it's usually birds or reptiles yeah we love birds and fish and fish and fish and today insects yay yeah today we're going to talk about the schmidt sting pain index oh fun so steve so the schmidt sting pain index is a pain scale relative uh a pain rating the relative pain caused by different hymenopterin uh, uh stings and the hymenopterin is a large order of insects comprising sawflies wasps bees and ants cool kind of a weird grouping but that's fine i guess they, yeah i guess the thing that they have in common is that they all sting i don't know um yeah i guess that's what connects them all they all have a stinger 
Yeah, uh, uh, this so, is that shit where it's like Western classification. It's like, is it just because they found a bunch of things that stung and then decided they were all the same? Yeah, and then they are like justified. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, if you go back further enough, they all come from the same thing. They're, oh, they're all, all the same. they're all crabs. They're all turned into crabs. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, carcinization. Um, uh, so it's mainly the work of Justin O. Schmidt, born nineteen forty-seven, an entomologist at the Carl Hayden Bee Research Center in Arizona. Schmidt okay. has published a number of papers on the subject and claims to have been stung by the majority of stinging hymenoptera. So, Hell yeah. this motherfucker, Hell yeah. who honestly could be surprise badass of the week, um, <laughs> he has made it his life's work to let all of these bugs sting him so that he can put them on a four-point scale from one to four based on the intensity of the pain (laughs) i love that it's just one to four he dedicated his whole life to this and it's just like that's a two (laughs) i think that's a two yeah um so he yeah i mean there's not a whole lot more to it besides yeah he just he lets these things sting him and then he Mm. writes down how much it hurts um hell yeah so like uh so like a pain level one uh yeah yeah yeah. give me that so it includes the southern fire ant the graceful twig ant the western paper wasp the urban digger bee and most small bees um feeling only slight pain schmidt has described the sting of an urban digger bee categorized as pain level one as almost pleasant a lover just (laughs) bit your earlobe a little too hard also rated into pain level one, um, the, the sweat bee as light, ephemeral, almost fruity. A tiny spark has singed a single hair on your arm. Um, He's coming at it like like it's like whiskey or wine. I love yeah, this. no, absolutely. It, it abs- That's a great a great comparison. It is very yeah. much like a whiskey um, rating. Like it's it's very like. <laughs> I, I I mean I'm I'm a Fruity. sucker I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I love yeah. like the idea of like trying to like put like feeling into words like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um so like pain level two, um, the termite termite rating ant, he says, has has a similar feeling as the debilitating pain of a migraine contained in the tip of your finger. Um Okay. Or a yellow jacket sting was described as being hot and smoky, almost irreverent. Imagine mm. W.C. Fields extinguishing a cigar on your tongue. <laughs> Yo. I love this. He also wrote a book, which I I was going to say, is there a book we can just... Coffee um, table book? This is the coolest coffee table book. Yeah. Uh, what is the book? I, I wrote down the book because I want to get it. Um, and I'm going to say it. Do, do, do. The Sting of the Wild um, okay, is the yeah. name of the book. Yeah, uh, And then, so I'll keep going. Pain three, um, the Maricopa Harvester Ant is a pain level okay. three, and he describes it as such. After eight unrelenting hours of drilling into the ingrown toenail, you find the drill wedged into the toe. Fuck. Um, <laughs> and then, okay, pain level four, there, uh, so... There are only three um, insects that he's put at pain level four. 
Originally, okay. it was just the bullet ant, which yeah, he said yeah. had pure, curious. intense, brilliant pain, like walking over flaming charcoal with a three-inch nail embedded in your heel. Oh, my God. Uh, and then oh. he also said the tarantula hawk had a rating oh, of four. Yeah. He said blinding, fierce, and shockingly electric. Um Although for that one, the the pain is short lived, only five minutes. And then last, uh, the warrior wasp, he described it as torture. You are chained in the flow of an active volcano. Why did I start this list? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love this guy. (laughs) It's awesome. It's so fucking cool. I love the, the idea. And I love the idea. I mean, these are just call outs, but... He has written down and described the pain in every single one of these insects. Like he has the not, you know, it's I not even like that. relative, right? Like it's just like yeah. He he writes it down and describes it. I love that so much. Yo, I need this book. Yeah, that's absolutely. So, that's so great. Yeah, yo, that's so cool. I love that. He's so funny. I want him to do like jellyfish or something. I mean, I assume yeah. he's like old or passed away. This is like a while ago, right? He did this. Well, he's still alive. Um, but he's oh, okay. old. He was born in forty-seven, so he's like. He's oh yeah, we shouldn't yeah. get him get him yeah. stung again. No, I'm, I feel like jellyfish can kill you. Yeah, that's so funny because I was thinking in terms of like hot ones because you know the Sco Scofield. What is it? Scofield. Scoville. It Scoville. Scoville. Yeah. Scoville. Yeah. Where it just like, and then I'm thinking like if if we we should find something really gnarly and make him do the last thing, and it's just like his going out party. <laughs> that's how he leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. I um have been stung by one tiny stinger like gland from a Portuguese man of war. Oh, really? On the finger. Oh. Um, in seventh grade, we we were doing marine biology stuff, and one of our trips was to the Izu, like you know, coast yeah. in Japan, and we and and our science teacher said, if you can get capture like a uh, what do you call it? a specimen of yeah. your creature? You get extra credit. Oh and of God. course, I had picked the Portuguese man of war for mine. Of so course, I was like, did, yeah. There's no way. I go to like this one kind of like offshoot rocky beach, and there's just like a ton. And I was like, I need extra credit. So I like cut out the bottom of like a crystal geyser water bottle so I could like scoop it up. And, uh, and I already knew at this point, like, stay away from the tentacles. Yeah. And I, like, look, and there's one tentacle just kind of, like, draped over onto my finger. Oh. And I just pull it off, and there's just, like, one, it's like a needle on a little sack. Yeah. And there's just, like, a million of those sacks with needles attached to it. So, and it was just one little needle on a sack right into my, I think it was my pinky, just, like, right into my finger. And it was light, and I pulled it off, and my finger was just like white noise pain for the rest of the day one little and my whole finger was just like i was essentially just like holding it like this for the rest of the day oh my god it was ridiculous one knee and i was so glad i got that experience of knowing exactly what one feels like yeah because like if that one on my whole hand yeah like it like let's say you just like plopped two on your back like it could kill you right are you like yeah 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 dunza you would go into shock it's the second most dangerous the box jellyfish being the first i think right is what they say right 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 man 
that was a wild experience. So this That's guy, crazy. This guy, he, you'd be able to probably, uh, yeah, talk to him about that. I bet, I bet you, like Steve-O has met him, right? I, yeah. I wonder. I think that they're definitely. This is like kind of like a, like a subculture, right? Like pain, mm-hmm. pain people. I bet there's like a whole subculture to it. I think Coyote Peterson's the guy right now. He makes those YouTube videos, and it has that exact brand of like DIY YouTubiness, where yeah. you're like, like, did you acquire these bugs legally? You yeah, know, kind of thing. Where it's like, you seem like there isn't even a guy behind the camera. You know what I mean? Right. right. But he does that thing where he's like, he would just tweezer and wasp, and then it'll just like sit, and then it's just, just like uh. for like six minutes. <laughs> Oh my god. People still do it. The information is out there, but people still do it. That's crazy. Um Um anything else yeah. notable? No, I think that's I think that's it for the Schmidt pain scale. Uh right right into us, uh listeners, if you have any good pain yeah, stories. We love good, to hear good it. Sting sting stories. But yeah. you need to be able to use the same type of language that uh, mm-hmm. Justin O. Schmidt did. Yeah, you can't just say it hurt. No, you can't it's just gotta say it be pain. descriptive. Yeah, yeah. What is it like? Is it like sitting chained in the flow of an active volcano? I want to know. I want to know. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Sound off. Um, that was great. Yeah, that was great. That's a fun one. Yeah, I'm gonna get that book. Um, what's the title of it? Sting of the Wild. The Sting of the Wild. Yeah. Cool. Hell yeah. Look out for it. Uh, look out for it. Um, today, I want to start by talking about the Wonderlick test. Are you familiar? Mm, no. no. Okay, cool. So, the Wonderlick, Wonderlick, W O N D E R L I C, um, is an assessment used to measure the cognitive ability and problem solving aptitude. Of prospective employees for a range of occupations. Um, it is oh. a proprietary assessment created and distributed by Wonderlick. Consists of fifty multiple choice questions to be answered in twelve minutes. Um, a score of twenty is intended to indicate average intelligence. Um, but okay. the reason why the Wonderlick has any sort of prominence, why anyone that has listened or is listening right now would know it, um, is because uh-huh. it is very, very much associated with professional football so oh okay so during the draft combine every Mm -hmm. single player that wants to be drafted is asked to take the wonderlick assessment test and so like it definitely i think exists for other fields or professions but like if you go to if you were like search wonderlick on google it would almost Mm -hmm. assuredly be a story about the nfl that comes up first um now is this is this the same or different from like the career day like test, you know, where they like tell you what oh, you should do in it's high different. school or whatever. It's different. So okay. the the career day test would be, and I I I feel like in preparation I should have taken like the full exam. I one mm-hmm. night is it available? Yeah. Oh, it's available. You can just go on and oh, take yeah. like a practice exam. Um, maybe cool. maybe for next episode we'll both take it. And yeah, see yeah, who's yeah. Smarter. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, I went on and it's very much like there's a lot of 
a lot of like kind of trick riddle questions um Ooh, a lot of thinking type shit. yeah a lot of math questions but a lot of like written like problem solving math questions like mm-hmm. jimmy is two inches taller than john and john is right but then oh i yeah, used to yeah. do those in middle school that all kind of time. stuff and but then there's also like like just straight up like um what's the capital of new hampshire like there's that oh, too so it's like it's like worse def- at that shit it definitely is like a mixture of stuff and like um or or it would be like uh analogies or or idiom definitions so it's like mm-hmm. what does a um a bird one bird in the hand is better than two in the bush or you know that kind of right, stuff right but a but a hand in the bush dot 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 yeah um and so uh yeah you can take it uh they the wonder look kind of gives like what they would suggest is like median scores by profession um so like a systems analyst should be assumed to get like a 32 out of 50 or Mm -hmm. uh an accountant 28 um or a a nurse 23 firefighter 21 all the way down to janitor at 14 um and then additionally there's you know median scores for different football positions and and so for example like uh, uh like an offensive tackle uh has scored offensive tackles have traditionally scored the highest um oh. uh at 26 and all the way down to halfbacks at 16 mm. so the wonderlick right yeah there is obviously a good amount of controversy with this testing and the use of it. Um, In fact, additionally, in the NFL, the rule of thumb is that you don't actually want to score super-duper high. Teams are are very much um, turned off by players that are extreme low or that extreme think, high think for themselves well straight up yeah there is like this like idea that someone that scored crazy high on a wonder lick uh would be you know a problem in the locker room like they wouldn't sign on to right 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 and they, and they would question authority and blah 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 but it i mean so it's obviously all kind of bullshit right like it yeah. like that and so i mean I'm trying to figure out where to even like start with all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. m- I will say the my personal assessment before we even get really into the nitty gritty is that like obviously this is a stupid thing that doesn't seem like it's a net positive for like what it's trying to accomplish. Right. But I need to. We need to like talk through why I think that and like. <laughs> because okay. well cuz there's like there there is a concept in socialism or communism right there's this concept mm-hmm. of like from each according to their ability to each according to their need right mm-hmm. uh which basically means that like those that can will 
do the work for those that cannot. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, Mm -hmm. that seems to be in line with like a wonderlick way of thinking where it's like, okay, well you take this test, you need to be a certain amount, you know, you need to pass it in a certain amount in order to qualify to do the occupation or the position that you would like to do. Yeah. But that's, that's this test in a vacuum, right? That is assuming right, right, right. that control, like that, that assumes that people's comprehension and ability is entirely equal given the same set of like circumstances surrounding, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like knowing the capital of New Hampshire is really going to like, Right. affect your ability to do 99 percent of jobs you know right I mean? exactly and and so that is i mean that's like the kind of new agey belief in the nfl is that this actually doesn't there's no correlation between wonderlick score and um future success in the league right like yeah. there's they absolutely do not connect at all and so people are um people are very dismissive of this and it's like well why do they even do it then right but there is and you know i'm tiptoeing around this white football players have traditionally mm-hmm. scored higher than black football players on this mm-hmm. exam mm-hmm. and the common i mean the thing that is inescapable with football that i think is one of you know like obviously one of the biggest um black eyes to the league and Mm -hmm. and and one of the weirdest things that we kind of take for granted and we don't approach head on is that there are otherwise normal people who are not normal but like who don't think of themselves as racist or prejudiced at all that truly believe that a black person is not capable of being a quarterback in football. That is a conversation that exists that is, like, not that crazy outside of, like, our discourse in the United States. No, not at all. And it's, like, one of the most, like, clearly and obviously insanely racist things that people hold on. Like, that that is for, for a large like a significant population of people in this country, the most racist thing that they hold on to, like their yeah. most racist thought. And like very like, that, yeah, casually and regularly. Like, yeah. Casually, matter of factly, don't think that a black person is capable of being a quarterback. Yeah. And, and it's like, I mean, I don't know that, that I think that there's so much to unpack there because it's this American football is by its nature, American. It's just like totally mm-hmm. unique cultural element that exists mm-hmm. in our country that has yeah. this like, and the quarterback, I mean, the, the, the quarterback in American football is like one of the most American things that exists in the world. Like, yep. it's like a uniquely American thing. QB1. Like That's why, yeah, why do you think the term that I coined is QB1 syndrome specifically? Yeah. It's a very distinct cultural position to be in. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, I... How would you define QB1? I want make a definition of it right here on the show for the listener. What is QB1 syndrome? QB1 syndrome is the person who, because of certain physical circumstances, 
has been put in a position where they their worldview has now been shaped to assume that everyone around them is blocking for them. Yep. And and the success of everyone on the field is dependent solely on their decision-making ability. Right. And no one else on the field can be trusted to make that same decision-making ability. That's QB1 yep. syndrome. Yeah. It's 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 the idea it's the idea that there can be a protagonist in a team yep. sport, yep. right? Like mm-hmm. that you alone are it and everyone else is a supporting that supporting character mm-hmm. for your story. Yeah. And they're the brain of this machine except it's not just one organ in a whole system of organs, it's the most important organ thing. It's the one that's running the show is the mentality. So, I mean, there are... The white man's burden is really what it was called historically. Right. I mean, so, so good. I'm glad you kind of like pulled the cat out of the bag for the conversation that I wanted to have. And, and I mean, I, I want to, I mean, unpack like the wonderlick the the idea of the wonderlick and the fact that you know if you look at the players who have you know gotten historically high scores are largely white right. and largely white quarterbacks are like mm-hmm. like and then the players that have gotten historically low scores are largely black so there's mm-hmm. that's one and then there's also like the this you know the fact of the matter is that only 3 men who have even any black uh, or african american um ethnicity mm-hmm. have ever won a super bowl and until 2014 it was one and the two mm-hmm. that have done it in the modern era are both are famously it's, mixed race yeah. So there's yeah. Russell Wilson, who is, you know, mm-hmm. mixed race. And then there's Patrick Mahomes. Both of mm-hmm. them, like, don't necessarily identify as, like, black right. They're one, one foot in, one foot out, culturally grown Yeah, up, I mean, they're, they're not, yeah. yeah, like, they don't identify as, like, the kind of, the the story of, of inner city African-American men. Yeah. You, you, you know. They don't they, present the same way as a Kaepernick or a yeah. Cam Newton, even. Yeah. Or, yeah, Cam Newton, I think, is a great example. And yeah. was, like... The, like the storyline of like breaking the mold for a long time right but mm-hmm. there's also this i mean that is why even with something that assuming assumes to be such a psychological study like the wonderlick or or uh in theory should present itself as completely unbiased and apolitical still mm-hmm. manages to drive through a narrative that s- becomes self-fulfilling right mm. there and there the the way that we present ourselves culturally leads to the results that we have predicted but don't have to be that way you yeah, know yeah. like we are stuck in this in this cultural cycle across everything right where mm-hmm we have a a belief in our head about uh you know some group of people being lazy that we create the environment for them to satisfy our preconceived biases yep 
and it and it just makes it just makes it harder for future generations to break out of it. The only way to break out of it for those populations is to behave exactly the way that the oppressing population mm-hmm. behaves, and then and then makes those people who were in the outgroup turn on their former community mm-hmm. members in their thoughts and feelings. I mean, it's like Tim Scott in South Carolina; it's a great example, right? Like this. Um, for me, and and this is not just a Seattle bias. This is yeah. why the um, Marshawn Richard Sherman combo, to me, from like a from a cultural perspective, was so important because right. they had such different energies and different perspectives that were coming together to the same thing, and they were both outspoken in their own ways, you know, smart speaking, and yet just um kind of like clownified you know yeah i mean it's it's well i think one of the one of the places so there in sports media in particular there are only two ways that like media figures present their arguments and i think both don't carry it like don't really get to the heart of things like there's like the the fucking regressive terribly conservative like ownership model of talking about sports i mean i just watched on netflix right now there's this documentary series called untold and there's Mm. an episode about the malice at the palace um Mm. which was in the early 2000s (laughs) uh an enormous brawl that broke out out of the Pacers Pistons game that ended yeah. up with Pacers players going up into the stands. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was a it, it, it was a terrible situation for so many factors. But the most upsetting part of it was the way that media figures talked about um, Ron Artest and talked about mm-hmm. Steven Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal, who are people. They were fucking people yep. who were 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 in a situation where like 20 they had potent were like there were no police they had to potentially yep. like you know 20,000 people wanted to rip their heads off like yeah Ron Artest is a person who has a history of like you know I don't even, like I don't know what his diagnosis is but it's like bipolar I mean the way he was talking about himself right. how he's like when I get really happy or really sad I literally cannot control my emotions um mm-hmm. which sounds like like a manic depressive kind of you know yeah and and they were given no humanity in that situation, mm-hmm. right? And then the alternative is, like, you know, for lack of a better word, like, woke sports, which right. people obviously hate. But it also doesn't actually, it doesn't it's, approach, like, the way that sports fit into our world, you know? Mm-hmm. It's It's incomplete, I think. The lens, yeah, the lens is, like, still askew you know Mm -hmm. um i would say it's like definitely more of a white lens still right um obviously until you're like boots on the ground in it but yeah it's a bummer man this reminds me of Chappelle's quote about martin lawrence when he was just like you know is he crazy or is the environment that he's in like did it drive him yeah you know 
there are these guys that probably lived in nice, rich suburbs, played quarterback, were good at it, but Mm -hmm. also lived in a community that if you're just a normal person, you have a great life, right? Like just, and so, and because of that, and because of the funding and the, the money that exists, there is, there is a, an emphasis on, on education and problem solving because for most people that is what you'll need to be slightly more successful than you were before and -hmm. even if you're not more successful than you were before you're in a fine place but like there are communities that are so destitute where the only way out is to be a fucking great sports star like and so so why would you why would you prioritize education when even if you do all the right things and are smart you're fucking stuck in this like spiral yep who gives a fuck about the wonder lick in that situation right yeah yeah totally because and because you have because there are other ways to to assess intelligence like you have social and emotional intelligence because of like the amount that you have to protect and care for other people you have Mm -hmm creative intelligence that comes out in different ways that you know like different communities can't even speak and so it, it, i mean ultimately the obvious answer is that this is a stupid test that like rate overrates wealthy people with wealthy 100%. backgrounds yeah but like the bigger thing is that we don't know how to mesh all of these communities of people still and like we yeah. still we still demand that people in oppressed or minority groups function in a society that is built largely for rich and middle class yeah. white people. You know? Like yeah. it's it's even more than just the wonderlick is a super test. It's it's more about like, okay, how do we mesh all of these people and their communities and their their focuses and priorities and make this a better society? Yeah, I mean that that conversation is so far away. Like, I don't know. I've only thought about this concept from the position of the SAT specifically, because obviously that's mm-hmm. another like very similar situation very similar for situation. an entirely different, you know, demographic, age, yeah. and you know, life trajectory demographic people. Um, I, you know, a lot of people are very anti the test existing. I think the test and and i kind of feel this way about the wonder like based on what i've heard it's like the test can exist right and you can still give the test out but the conclusions drawn from the results we need to shift our perspective on what what information we're gleaning from it right and how to how to take that and make it useful right you know like cuz there's like clear social trends that come out of the results of these tests and those are the ones that are being completely ignored you know right it's like such a bummer um it does remind me of this uh this wonderful quote from this film um i'm trying to remember the direct uh, oh okay it was directed by christopher nolan it's about space it's called interstellar <laughs> stupid um yeah, mcconaughey is is at the parent teacher conference and he says he's his he asks like the principal he's like 
what, what's your size? What's your pant size? You know, and he's like, oh, 32, 32 or whatever. It takes two numbers to measure your own ass, but only one to measure my kid's future. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Fucking McConaughey. Future Fucking governor McConaughey. of Texas. Um, Yes, I agree. Yeah, no, it, and it, it does strike me that um, from a society standpoint, it, it seems like a good idea to measure aptitude of all people mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. find like the superlative group right like but, a census approach yeah but more people are like each other than are superlative and mm-hmm. in america we've we have this we've convinced ourselves that everyone is superlative white america has convinced i yeah, mean yeah, the, yeah. The, the conversation right is like oh you are special I mean, that's mm-hmm. a story that I was told when I was a child. Every white American was told the exact same thing. Yeah. And we have this, like, this like fierce... I mean, this place is so competitive. Like, America mm-hmm. is just such a competitive culture. And we've got this, this college system that overrates, like, these, like, elite institutions. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, like, people's fulfillment doesn't all need to come from the same thing Mm. uh which is to like go to a for white america it's like go to like the very top school and be like you know the fucking yale cia moron wasp people and Mm -hmm. i i don't know we just have it all wrong and yeah these the the app like an average person in intelligence is probably highly intelligent in something else. Like, the way that we measure all of these things and we figure out what people should and should not do or, or like, what where they find their fulfillment, it doesn't take into account, A, the fact that we're all the same, right? Like, mm-hmm. all people mm-hmm. are just people. <laughs> but also that we might all have different... Yeah. I'll leave you with one last thing. I found another news article titled Man Ruled Too Smart to Be a Cop. Um, <laughs> I've, heard, US I've District, like kind of vaguely heard of yeah. something like this. <laughs> the U.S. District Court of Appeals in New York has rejected 49-year-old Robert Jordan's lawsuit that he has re- discriminated against by the New London Police Department uh, on the basis of his intellect. In '96, Jordan took a routine intelligence test in order to attempt to become a member of Connecticut City Police Department. He scored 33 points, the equivalent of an IQ of 125, but the NLPD was only interviewing people with a score between 20 and 27, their logic being that someone too smart would get bored easily on the job and wander off or something, thus wasting all that money they spent on training them. Uh, Average score for a police officer is 21 or 22, just above average. Jordan said this was discrimination and sued, and now Jordan works as a prison guard. Um, But if we only have police officers... And this is an article, but it says, but if we only have police officers who are just above intelligence and they're promoted from within to become detectives who we entrust to solve our crimes, aren't we in turn endangering ourselves? Yeah. Which, I mean, it, that, the idea, I mean, fuck, we got to redo police officers altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This but, would be a nice first step. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah. You get two 
measurements to measure your ass, but my yeah. kids got one measurement to measure their future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good paraphrasing. <laughs> In the realm of paraphrasing, that was pretty close. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Hey, thank you, Wonderlick Test. Um, yeah. We absolutely are going to take it live at the beginning of next time. Okay, I'm in. It says it takes like 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do it. Um, Hey, thanks, man. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome. Sh- should we just go right into mine? Do you need to do anything? Let's do it. No, I'm good. All right. Okay, you know, so one of those crazy things about this, one of those synchronicity moments in this podcast where <laughs> yeah. we always, where we like find subjects that are very similar. Yeah. Um, or somehow have a thread. This is not one of those episodes. Yes, I love the. These are my favorite episodes. Yeah, we're gonna take a hard left. Um, so this week I've been very interested—not very interested—but I've been digging into theosophy. Okay. Um, Helena Blavatsky, very specifically, she is the mother of the Theosophical Society. She was a Russian philosopher. Very interesting. And then I was, like, reading through the wiki and being like, yeah, this is interesting to talk about. I haven't found the threads that make it, like, yeah, actually yeah. worth the yeah. podcast. So then I was yeah. like, what, what's another? Okay, so then I went to Western esotericism, um, which yep. is another thing that's very in line. And then I went to Bacchanalia, which is, like, those uh, mysteries, the, you know, Roman festivals, Dionysus festivals. And I was like, okay, Dionysus, all of this is like borderline, you know, kind of interesting. And then I was like, oh, human sacrifice. Yep. yep. Yeah, landed on it. Found the landed on Venn it. diagram. So today we're going to talk about human sacrifice. Dude, of course we are. Yeah. Honestly, these are connected. Football, human sacrifice. Yeah, kind of. It's There's just like kind of about like who's deciding who gets to live and for why. Yeah. Um. So my main reason for looking into human sacrifice is because one of the great things I've been finding in history is just like how many disparate places have engaged in very similar thematic activities. Absolutely. So for me, it's like, okay, human sacrifice had to come from an idea somewhere. Mm -hmm. And what's the nugget of ideas? So I don't know if I've found that, but let's get into it. Yeah. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, human sacrifice is the act of killing one or more humans as part of a ritual, which is usually intended to please or appease gods, a human ruler, an authoritative slash priestly figure, or spirits of dead ancestors, such as propitiatory offerings, um, which is just like, you know, offerings, as a retainer sacrifice when a king's servants are killed in order for them to continue to serve their master in the next life. Um, So, human sacrifice was practiced in many human societies beginning in prehistoric times by the Iron Age, first millennium BCE, uh, with the associated developments in religion, human sacrifice was becoming less common throughout the old world and came to be looked down upon as barbaric during mm-hmm. classical antiquity. One of the things, modern secular laws treat human sacrifices in the same manner as murder. Classic. Most yeah. major religions in the modern day condemn the practice, 
The law of Moses explicitly commands that you shall not murder. Concerning human sacrifice, I love this sentence. Concerning human sacrifice, the prophet Jeremiah reported that the Yahweh said it is, quote, something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's Jeremiah's report on God's response to human sacrifice. Like, no, like, oh, no, 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 I didn't. I love that because it sounds it sounds like God is guilty. Like it sounds mm-hmm. like ten years earlier he was like, Kill your firstborn and now he's like, yeah. I would never say that. Yeah. I would not never only did I not say I didn't even think I would never that you think, think I'm that. capable That's, of thinking you're that? sick. You know what, Jeremiah? You're Gross. sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I'm offended by that that that's how you think of me. Um in the account of Abraham's near sacrifice of his son Isaac where, where, quote, the use of quotes on this page is yeah. hilarious. Quote, God tested Abraham, unquote, by asking him if he were faithful enough to obey God in sacrificing his own son. God then prevents the sacrifice from happening and tells Abraham to sacrifice a ram instead. This is just some classic, like, yo, do it. Just do it. Fucking do it. Fucking yeah. do it. And then Michael was like, oh, no, 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 don't do it. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Come on. Like, yo, seriously? And God's like, please, can we let him do it? No, yeah. here's a ram. <laughs> fucking Jesus Christ. Who? <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's so funny. Okay. So this is going to some stuff. This page is mostly just like plotting out where and why it happened throughout history. And not yeah. so much too much like syn- synthesizing the general, you know, why behind it. Other than like what we kind of already think. The various well, rationales. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, please. Well, I just think that the synthesis is in... The, it, this is I, a bit of, like, an... Uh, all of the synthesis of, like, like ancient cultures and religions strikes me as a bit of, like, um, as we put it, ants on a log thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Is, like, mm-hmm. incapable of us to fully understand, like how they connect like it's the yeah. it's the holy spirit right like the connection yeah. is the holy spirit is like this like this unknowing ephemeral connection of all human beings as one you know species with like like something something in our brain like some sort of like chemical like pathway uh-huh. is the same and it's like i should kill my child you know what i mean Yo, like, oh. okay <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because the Abraham story specifically makes me wonder about that because you assume, okay, let's just go off the assumption that anytime someone has claimed to have spoken to God, it's been it's in the DMT, head. it's that yeah. DMT, you know, yeah, whatever, right? So if Abraham was already claiming to have spoken to God, then you can argue that one of his epiphanous revelations was like i gotta kill my son but right when he's about to do it as he's staring down with a dagger in his hand at his fucking son who's just like dad why yeah (laughs) what and why that's when the angel comes down and it's like don't do it do do a ram yeah is and is that his realization where he gets to the point and then he's like oh this is wrong and that's his DMT moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, if that's the case, which it feels like it, then what's the human logic behind, like, 
like oh earthquakes are happening famines are happening the way to uh, abs- abs- like solve this is to um kill someone for God. like that doesn't ah, you know well, is that a I holy mean, spirit thing I, it's well maybe it's the opposite, I can see right? I could see well right 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 but I could see people but like being swayed by it that just happened I mean this is there's a do you know that have you heard the most recent like kind of tabloid story oh no which this which guy one? uh this like guy I think he was in Santa Barbara um surf instructor uh was convinced of he like he bought into QAnon and was convinced mm. that his children were like going to like were demons somehow and he just killed oh, his kids no this like very recently happened i mean in the last week i had or not two. heard about this um but yeah yeah i mean it's i it, it is well so obviously um mental illness is not right new. right right and we can right. like apply a modern psychological lens to a lot of the like folk mythology mm-hmm. and like you know stories of history and like the even uh, apocryphal or, or you know like like the story who, who who's to know whether the binding of isaac is, is like a historical story or right right just or like just a tale you know but yeah metaphor what that means whether it's just like these like brief moments of insanity or whether mental illness is like some sort of like connection to a deeper Mm -hmm. like kind of like spirit of the world Mm -hmm. these are things that like obviously a modern psychiatrist would say is stupid and a western lens would say like no take your medicine Yeah, yeah, yeah but like i don't know that you can really like we don't understand the brain well enough to like really discount anything that anyone thinks as like anything but like something miraculous good Mm -hmm. or bad you know yeah yeah very interesting oh and so there is a part in the wikipedia page that talks about the binding of isaac specifically being an allegorical like uh an, an allegory for um, the idea of Abrahamic religions being the transition away from things like human sacrifice into the thou shalt not murder. Um, one of my favorite human sacrifice stories, mm-hmm. um, and that is like very weird and confusing, is like the conversation about Carthage. Did mm. you did you read much about this? Yeah, the so the, there's the uh, the c- cemetery. Yeah, well, the 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 thing about Carthage is that um, the Romans and the Greeks were fucking appalled. Or mm-hmm. there's all this writing about how disgusting Carthaginians are because they they kill children. Yeah, like they yeah. they sacrifice children, and they're like that is wrong. And there has been like all of this discussion among historians for forever basically that like okay carthage didn't actually sacrifice children no they just were the enemies of the romans and so they like they didn't write anything down and so the romans wrote all this terrible shit about carthage 
mm-hmm. but now it's like starting to come back but it's like okay actually the carthaginians might have been child like might have yeah been, yeah like, yeah a lot of children <laughs> i think the most recent place i watched i watched museum secrets and there was a whole carthage episode and it's very much like yeah so like we there's you know accounts of the cemetery a lot of children like burned remains of children and for a long time we thought it was sacrifices and then we realized that oh no it's enemy propaganda it was actually like, right all the children that were interred and then it was just like but the manner in which they're all interred feels very specific and we don't want to conclusively say right <laughs> yeah 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 you nailed that okay i did find the binding of isaac Okay. Appears in the book of Genesis. The story appears in the Quran, though Islamic tradition holds that Ishmael was the one to be sacrificed. Um, oh, so it's a different... It's Ishmael, the first son of Abraham, which I'm, I'm very curious why. Uh, God tests Abraham by asking to present his son as a sacrifice on Moriah. Um, Abraham agrees without arguing the story ends with an angel stopping Abraham at the last minute and providing a ram caught in some nearby bushes to be sacrificed instead Uh, many bible scholars have suggested this story's origin was a remembrance of an era when human sacrifice was abolished in favor of animal sacrifice Hmm. so yeah I guess you're right it is Ishmael it's not uh, Isaac yeah, and I mean, I I really, we we probably both should know more about Islam than we do, but um, uh, I I yeah. I don't know. I there's a reason. Like the Ishmael Isaac thing is like core to the difference between mm. Jewish and Muslim people, like among lots of other things, obviously. But like there, yeah, like yeah. that that is like a big part of some of the schisms of things. I think right. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass a little bit. No, but I feel you. Yeah, there, you know that's the thing with all this history stuff is I and the reason I even came to this page is like there's got to be some reason to all this, even if it's just people deciding how the story needs to be told. Like, well, I mean, I think it's a pretty big indication of what it. So, and I it, in in a bad way because I mean I think. Mm-hmm think anybody that was on you know on the the tip that human sacrifice is bad and wrong probably right um but the conversation is actually the inverse of where you think it's going to go with human sacrifice because i think Mm -hmm. that the conversation leads you down the fundamental feeling when one lives and is alive of how important it is to be alive. Like the 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 sanctity mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. is a feeling that is mm. like so universally human. Like mm-hmm. if you have consciousness, if you have um sentience, like you know you can feel the importance, like every breath Right. It, like it makes you realize like how consequential this all is yeah and human sacrifice i am yeah yeah it's human sacrifice is the ultimate embodiment of that in oh, the it's sense. not like i have become god 
because I or or it, yeah, or it's that that like what more can I give you besides life? Like the you know you this is an appeasement to life itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say I would argue that America's relationship with the death penalty is still mm. in some complicated way the like kind of the progressive and embo- not a progressive but like the the progression progression of the embodiment of human sacrifice why else would we do it if we didn't think life was so important especially if you extinguish someone else's life that it should be taken like it there's yeah. the idea of taking life is just such a it, it like beyond a powerful thing you know yeah 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 like that's one of those things where it's like when i look into the eyes of a man you can you know i can tell that you know he's killed yeah. someone it's like one of those like things you just can't understand unless it's happened kind of shit right yeah all right all right this is helping me kind of like organize my thoughts and assumptions a little bit more about why and stuff um on the other hand here are some vapid here's a vapid one China, history of human sacrifice in China may extend as early as 2300 BCE. Excavations of the ancient fortress city of Shimao in the northern part of modern Shaanxi province uh, revealed 80 skulls ritually ritually buried underneath the city's eastern wall. Forensic analysis indicates the victims were all teenage girls. (laughs) Oh, boo. Boo. (laughs) Boo. Sacrifice of high-ranking males, slaves, concubines, and servants upon his death was a more common form. Which is just, like, so hilarious. Imagine, like, how different the concept of, like, the sugar daddy would be in our current uh, culture if it wasn't, like, you marry an old rich person and when they die you get their shit. It's when they die you have to go with them. Oh, my God. Like then, then any young woman who dates the, marries an old man would be, have so much respect. Right, <laughs> would get so much more cultural respect. Like you really fucking love this guy. Yeah. Wow. That's this is oh, real deal. Fucking weird. Um, the Tibetans before the arrival of Buddhism used to uh, do human sacrifices. You know, almost every place in the world has human sacrifice stories it's kind of wild yeah all you know everywhere ancient egypt levant phoenicia greco-roman antiquity mesopotamia that's all just in the mediterranean then you got neolithic europe celts germanic people slavic people in northwestern eurasia china tibet india the pacific has a bunch pre-columbian americas of course west africa canary islands Wow, kind of everywhere. Um, and then there's a whole modern section, modern cases section. And that's like, sounds way more like what we were talking about, where it's like some people just made some very rash uh, decisions based on something, you know? Yeah. Um, but there is a story in Chile. In the coastal village Koyaleufu, um, sure. uh, the native Lefkenches 
carried out a ritual human sacrifice in the days following the 1960 Valdivia earthquake. Um, It was highly isolated, this village. The community had gathered while the lowlands were struck by successive tsunamis. Um, Juana Namankura Añen, a local maqui, who is a traditional healer and religious leader, demanded the sacrifice of the grandson of Juan Pinecur, a neighbor, in order to calm the earth and ocean. And I'm like, is this kind of like an old lady who was like really annoyed by her neighbor's grandkid? I, and was 100% like, sounds like that. It yeah. has to be this kid. The victim was a five-year-old um, boy and a, a quote-unquote orphan whose mother had gone to work as a domestic worker in Santiago and left her son under the care of her father. The interesting thing is the two men that carried it out, including the grandfather of the boy, were charged with the crime and confessed. They were released after two years because a judge ruled that those involved in these events had acted without without free will, driven by an irresistible natural force of ancestral tradition. Hmm. That's an interesting ruling. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, yeah, exactly. It it does strike me as more complicated than something that could be, um, solved in court, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. the the suffering is un unacceptable, obviously, and yeah. disgusting and and horrid, but it's also we are we are such we are all such lost like souls in search mm-hmm. of answers that will never come right and so yep. it's like like a like a story like that is just such an example of just like i don't i don't think that that was the right answer sacrificing your 5-year-old grandson mm-hmm. but in a world that refuses and an existence that refuses to allow us any level of clarity. Yeah. I, I don't, I would love to make a, like a, like a rash blanket condemnation of human sacrifice, Mm -hmm. but I can't say that I don't understand the need for answers, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes you certainly makes you wonder what your what our cultural interpretations of the answers will mean to those in the future yeah I, I don't know I mean it, we don't we don't get to control any of this really besides like our own like specific actions but like it your actions exist in the context of the culture and the time mm-hmm. and all of these things. And we're never, ever going to find the answers to anything. We don't know shit about shit. So, yeah. yeah. Um, that's so good because the last little bit that I think I will present is, yeah. um, it's a, it's a, it's a pivot on the, uh, general feeling towards the sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. Is, is the pre-Columbian Americas. Um, some of the most famous forms of ancient human sacrifice were performed by various pre-Columbian civilizations in the Americas 
that included the sacrifice of prisoners as well as voluntary sacrifice, right? Hmm. Voluntary sacrifice is always the interesting one. Friar Marcos de Nizza, uh, 1539, writing of the Chichimecas, said that from time to time, quote, they of this valley cast lots whose luck it shall be to be sacrificed, and mm. they make him great cheer on whom the lot falls, and with great joy they crown him with flowers upon a bed prepared in the said ditch, all full of flowers and sweeters, on which they lay along. They lay great stores of dry wood on both sides and set it on fire on either part, and so he dies, and that the victim took great pleasure in being sacrificed. This is mm. that midsummer shit where it's like, if it's part, if you're doing something for the collective like you can be can like be convinced that this is just like actually great that you're you're providing this uh, now now more about uh pre-columbian americas this is one that i think you'd love the mixed deck players of the mesoamerican ball game um if you've watched uh fucking the road to el dorado it's that like soccer yeah. basketball they play um were sacrificed when the game was used to resolve a dispute between cities. The rulers Whoa. would would play a game instead of going into battle. So that Whoa. thing that we've mentioned, they yeah. literally the losing ruler would be sacrificed. So imagine if at the end of every football season, the losing owner yeah. of the fucking you know. Um, the big game would have to uh, fucking die. Yeah. Oh my god. The ruler ate deer who was considered a great ball player and who won several cities this way was eventually sacrificed because he attempted to go beyond lineage governing practices and to create an empire. Unreal. Like that shit? I'm like, cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean that's like a. It's a. It's definitely a good example of like. Okay, yeah, we don't need to do it like that, but like we could do it different. Like all of this stuff, yeah. it's all made up. It's all made up. Like the way that we find fulfillment, honor our lives, like like figure out like this. This current stage, it doesn't. It's been different. Yeah. Other exactly. other people have existed entirely in like the ecosystems of cultures and worlds that are completely different from the one that we live in currently, you know? And mm-hmm. it will be different in the future. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not to say that we get to change it, but like it, it's, you know, it, it Yeah, but it, it's funny it, what's because to say? like yeah. Yeah, it, it it it's it's funny because it does feel very like initially backwards and 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 archaic that like anyone has to die because of like a ball game right but if you think about it a lot of very specific details of how they're running this is way more woke than any amount of dispute that we engage in absolutely the fact that i mean what's decided that like the fact that they decided territorial disputes via sport and the fact that the if anyone got killed after the sport, it was the ruler and not anyone else involved. Absolutely. No, and what's to say, too, that um, you volunteering yourself to be sacrificed mm-hmm. isn't, like, among the most fulfilling and honorable ways to go out of this world. Like, yeah. And, and who's to say what 
what your experience in in whatever comes next is Mm -hmm. i mean what if you're right we can't i can't really make a, a a a an educated statement on whether someone who chooses to be sacrificed whether they're they were right about that choice or not yeah and more than likely they will never know there's no there's no level of like what if to that that's a permanent choice and their moment of leaving is like fully confident in that choice you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I i don't know i don't know what to say yeah about that. in this context there's a total just like yeah i'll like take it for the team yeah you know like imagine being the ruler of like a really good team and being like hey we're gonna like we're gonna win this and the team being like we will win this we don't want you to die like we will win it for you and then he's like no win it for yourselves i have faith like (laughs) yeah like that's like pretty some pretty like good amount of bro-y camaraderie there i i I can get behind that all in dude all in Okay, so we're all in on human sacrifice. Okay, good for yep. us. I've changed my I've changed my general feelings on it, and I think we should go back to human sacrifices, if only right. to save the lives of our of our male youth. Yeah, mostly male youth. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's about all it. Right. Though. Yeah, I think that's a good good place to end. We at the Hegelian Friendship Simulator now. Um, support human sacrifice. So yes, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Uh, and if you want to talk about that with us, you can always send us an email: hegelianfriendshipsimulator yeah. at gmail dot com. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can find us on social media, Twitter, and mostly Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know what, folks? Keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. Oh, here's a disclaimer, yeah. though. Um, disclaimer. Don't commit any human no 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 no, no, and then and then name us yeah not yet not yet we're figuring out the kinks we're gonna figure out the kinks first yeah please yeah yeah. (laughs) Nicholas is gonna finger out the kinks (laughs) finger out those kinks all right right. on that note love you all thank you for listening love you all